Welcome to the Digital Mindfulness Podcast with Lawrence Sampofo, session number two. everyone thank you so much for joining me today this is session number two of the digital mindfulness podcast i'm super excited because today my guest is martin talks from digital detox an organization which creates holidays for people to unplug from digital devices and to reconnect with nature other people and themselves Martin initially spent a large proportion of his career persuading people to spend more time and money online as the commercial director of an online shares company and also as a senior member of of international marketing agencies. But there came a point in which he realized that the digital obsession that we all suffer from was just getting out of hand for him, both at home and at work. It was time to make a balance. So he set up the organization Digital Detoxing. He still loves technology and has even set up a wearable tech company. But at the same time, he realizes that establishing clear boundaries is important, not just now with the lives that we lead with social media, but also in the future as we all become increasingly intertwined with technology. We're going to get in in this interview, we're going to get into why he set up Digital Detoxing, what you can do to incorporate healthy practices into your digital life, and also how you can do a digital detox. So let's not wait any longer. Let's welcome Martin Talks from Digital Detox. Thank you so much for being with us today. So um, I'm really interested with this whole idea and the whole idea of the company, you know, Digital Detox. Mm. Um, How did it all come into being? Well, um, I suppose over a process of time, I, I spent most of my career persuading people to spend more time and money online uh, in various roles. And uh, it, it came to me as a realization that perhaps there needs to be a better balance. And I, I found that uh, partly in my own working life that I was getting constantly distracted and perhaps not achieving as much as I'd wish. And also at home, to be honest, you know, with the family that we weren't necessarily uh, uh, gelling as well as a, a family group as we might. So mm. it just occurred to me that there needed to be a better balance. So um, while I was still working at a digital communications agency, I uh, got together a few people and we went off on a, on a, on a, a digital detoxing adventure, as I like to call them. And uh, uh, it had a series of activities. It was over a three-day period and – it was all good fun, but actually what I found at the end of it was it was a more powerful experience than I was expecting, and, and people got a lot out of it, and it made me think that there's this is a bigger issue and there's a bigger uh, need for this. Mm-hmm. When you say like it was, a, it was a digital detoxing adventure, like what did, what mm. did you guys actually do when you went away? Well, uh, that particular one was in Norfolk uh, at quite a remote place. Uh, we had to walk two miles across fields to get to it, and... Um, <laughs> in that process took away all their technology and took away their watches as well, actually, which is quite an interesting uh, thing, which perhaps we'd come back to, but took away those things, those distractions. Uh, mm. And then we did a series of activities over, over the days 
just getting people to realize that they can have a lot of fun without necessarily a screen being there. Yeah. And, you know, you, so we did things like uh, rather than Instagram a picture of this beautiful countryside, we uh, drew a picture of it rather than, uh, um, I don't know, build a, a, a virtual house in Minecraft. We actually did some practical tasks that, you know, not, not so many people have those practical skills perhaps than they used to. And uh, we spent time cooking. We spent time walking, looking at nature, and we just, everyone just chilled out and relaxed. And uh, we had a lot of discussions around that about how, what people's relationship was like with technology. Mm. And uh, uh, yeah, and it it was all quite a a good, fun group experience. Wow. And so, um, I mean, because when I've spoken to other people in the past about this, they normally report to me that they feel kind of a bit angsty. You know, they have like slight withdrawal symptoms from being away from screens or ditching (laughs) their phones for a little bit. But um, what was the impact of of that weekend or that that time you spent being detoxing? Yeah, well, it was interesting. Obviously, people do some people do have a, a few issues about that you know there's there's that vital call that they're expecting or whatever and you just have to say no you know let's just put that away you know things aren't as vital as you often think they are mm. um yeah you get uh, the phantom phone ringing in the pocket even though you don't have a phone in your pocket you sort of feel that vibration <laughs> things like that sometimes which is a bit weird because people get so used to reaching for their phone out of their pocket yeah um there was one guy on one trip uh, who is obsessed with cricket and he spent his whole time worrying about what the, the test match score was. Uh, but he had to wander up to people and ask them, well, the few people we met, um, which was interesting because, of course, then you're having a conversation with someone about something. So it was, it was, yeah. that was quite interesting. So, uh, But overall, people, the overall feedback was it was like a huge, you know, deep breath of fresh air and people just felt very relaxed. Uh, and one little anecdote to this is... Uh, on one trip, we woke up on the Sunday morning. Everyone was just having a bit of breakfast, having a coffee. And I asked everyone what time they thought it was. And uh, one of the guys on the trip was very confident and said, look, I always know what time it is. It's one of my special skills. It's uh, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. And the other people said, I don't know, 8.30, 9.30, that sort of time. Uh, and I said, no, actually, it's 11 o'clock. Because <laughs> <laughs> people had just relaxed so much. They weren't worrying about where – where they needed to be, who they needed to see, whether they tweeted in the last hour, you know, all that stuff. Mm. It was uh, a very, you know, people just felt themselves just relaxing, being in the moment, being where they are, and uh, not worrying about what other people think or where else they might be or what other people might be doing. Wow, that's fantastic. So, um, I mean, just when we started talking initially, like you started talking a little bit about um, what your origin story was no so um um, i'd be really interested to know actually what how what was your whole journey to to digital detox and yeah like you you talked a little bit briefly about it but yeah i wonder if you could expand on that a little bit yeah sure um well uh in terms of of what i've sort of done in my career i've um done various things but uh i've been i helped list a uh, on the stock exchange uh, an online shares information company called ADVFN, and uh, that was one of the first companies to give private investors real-time shares information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a good thing because you're empowering people with information, but it can be a bad thing as well because people can't leave their screen. They're so obsessed with watching the uh, real-time share price go up and down. Yeah. Uh, it's quite, it can be quite a roller coaster ride sometimes. Um, then I've set up a, a digital marketing agency uh, called Blue Barracuda, which, uh, as I say, was uh, helping people, helping brands 
persuade their customers to spend more time and money online, that sort of thing. And uh, that was sold out to a bigger agency group, which I became global digital lead of uh, and sort of uh, looking at those issues. Now, I'm still very interested in technology. I'm very interested in in the way that that can be a hugely beneficial and positive influence on the world and on ourselves. So by no means digital detoxing am I saying that was all wrong and now I've seen the light and it's very different. Um, what I think is it, it's, you know, there's huge benefits from all the technology in these communications, but they're also with these great benefits come great risks. And those can be risks to our own sort of personal well-being, uh, but also uh, bigger risks looking forward to uh, how they might impact on, on, on people and humanity indeed as this technology gets more and more intertwined with us as humans. Mm-hmm. When you say um, when it become, I mean, the, what are some of the risks or some of the problems that you found that happen to people when they get too intertwined and um, I don't dare I say dependent on this technology? Yeah, I mean, it varies actually. There's quite a spectrum of people with different issues, from uh, just a sort of general mild anxiety and uh, inability to focus or concentrate on a task without you know reaching for the phone every few minutes. Mm. Um, through to uh, serious internet addiction, which is more of a clinical medical condition. Uh, so quite a range of issues people can, can experience. But I think most people can relate to that sense of anxiety, that sense of uh, uh, whether it be um, you're turning a phone on first thing in the morning, last thing you look at at night, you know, you're waiting for some important information which probably isn't that important. You know, people worrying if post on Facebook isn't liked or a tweet isn't shared. Yeah, crazy yeah. stuff like that. Um, so I think everyone can relate to those sort of issues and the impact that can have. We've all talked to someone who's suddenly reached for their phone mid-conversation and doesn't seem to be listening to you anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've probably sat around in meals where people have reached for their phone and, uh, you know, we're not really talking anymore. Uh, and as a family unit, you know, you can all be in the same room, but you can be alone together because everyone's on their own little screen, their own little world. Mm. That, you know, I think people can relate to that. But in some cases, it gets much more serious. And uh, you occasionally see stories in the press about people who've become so obsessed that they need uh, need some more serious uh, treatment. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that something that you really work with in, with the, with digital detox? Do you work with kind of more serious cases or is it you, do you just, I mean, do you work with people that actually just feel that they really need a break from being hyper connected all of the time and kind of taking them out and reconnecting with nature and themselves and, um, and other people? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, yeah, we wouldn't uh, purport to be able to give anyone any serious medical treatment. And there are facilities that offer that around the world. Um, But, you know, we're we're more about people who just want a bit of a a change of pace, want want to get away from their technology, recognize that it might be having a negative impact and fancy having a a bit of fun without a screen. Um, So, yeah, we're not not trying to deal with the, the really serious cases. Uh, I mean, what there's an interesting observation here, I suppose, is different attitudes across the world to it. Because um, what I've noticed is in the UK, uh, we're not really addressing these issues in a serious way. But if you look at other countries, Korea, China, Japan, where perhaps the uh, issue is more advanced, they're more wired and connected nations. 
they're taking a much more serious approach. Some of it's state funded in terms of getting people to take breaks from technology uh, and to break their obsessions with it because, you know, it's having detrimental effects on, on their whole societies. Uh, and in the UK, we have this um, almost incessant message that we have to be constantly online. We have to give our our two-year-olds an iPad, you know, or you're being a bad parent. Uh, and I think quite the opposite. I think, uh, of course, we need to get people interested in technology, you know, learning to code's a great thing, uh, being familiar with some of the big trends in technology, really important. But we need to see that there are boundaries. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot more to life than what happens on a screen. Mm. But I, th- I think, you know, even going back to what you were saying before, that it's actually physically dangerous, you know, to, to kind of spend so much time sitting down and kind of being online. And, you know, th- I mean, there are so many other physical and interpersonal mm, um, um, effects that, that, that occur from, from that. You know, I mean, like you were saying, the person who went to, um, he was so concerned with the cricket score that he had to have, a, you know, a social interaction with someone that he'd never met with a stranger which which was good for them both, right? And he got the score, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, but I guess one question I really want to ask is, like, in the UK, do you find that there's now starting to become, like, a greater consciousness or greater, like, groundswell in people becoming more um, cognizant of this, of this phenomenon, that they're spending too much time online and that there has to be an alternative? Yeah, I think there is a growing awareness of that. And I think uh, I've seen that in terms of uh, the sort of people who've been contacting me. Uh, so, so definitely there is an increasing awareness of that. And uh, there, are, there are various movements uh, afoot which relate to this. You know, there's a strong movement around the area of mindfulness, for instance, is a word that we've heard a lot of quite recently. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, this is all part of this idea that that maybe the best way to carry on isn't isn't necessary to be always always rushing always anxious always not quite focusing on a, a world of constant partial attention so i think there is a, there is a growing realization that there needs to be a better balance but i think we've still got a long way to go to be honest and uh, some uh, some people uh, are beginning to, to to get on board and and lead the way in that but i think you know still still a lot needs to be done Mm. Do you find that with this, um, the whole move towards you know digital detoxing and and unplugging, if you like, does is this kind of <clears throat> does this occur more in the elder generations? You know, for people who grew up without technology and kind of have adopted it, or are you finding it um, this occurring a lot as well with the digital natives? I think it, more with the digital natives. To be absolutely honest, I think oh. those who grew up without necessarily growing up with a smartphone in their hand uh they uh they can still understand the difference between the world without these screens and the world with these screens and i think those who've grown up with them the, the lines are a bit more blurred uh but uh, what, what we find is the sort of most interest is coming from people roughly mid-20s to mid-30s right. so we're talking that sort of age group uh, i think that the teenagers are still so deep in it that they can't really see the wood from the trees. You know, it's more their parents who are concerned than perhaps they are. Um, 
are wondering if they're really doing their homework or uh, <laughs> playing Angry Birds, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, so I think when people have got into a work life, they're given their work phone, which all sounds great, but then they find they can never switch off. They're always in contact. They can't, you know, mm. can't go through a holiday without looking at looking at their emails. Um, you know, I think I think it's that age group that that seems to be particularly becoming aware of the issue. Mm. And um, see, this is fascinating because you you talk about how helpful this is. Um, you know, dig- unplugging and digitally mm. detoxing oneself. How it's really helpful on a personal level just to be able to see that you know there is life and a good life away from screens and away from the online world but does this also have an impact um on a i guess on a professional level like do do employers and businesses do they see the benefits of this i think some are beginning to you know there's uh there's been uh there's been some talk about various various companies thinking about this a bit more and have been offering as employers group mindfulness sessions for instance you know companies big companies like apple for instance mm. uh google intel uh facebook all these people you know that although although they you know some people might see them as, as one of the prime causes <laughs> of, of the issue they are beginning to recognize the issue as well and i think that's that's a great thing i think yeah it does have an impact on business i think there's a really um good business outcome from addressing some of these issues i think you get a a greater focused workforce you get a more collaborative workforce you get a more creative workforce from this you get people less people going off with stress uh you know i think it has a real a real business return on it um uh, and uh you know digital detoxing adventures breaks are real kickstarters to this but it's in the day-to-day life that we you know we really need to put into practice some of these things and and if and if employers are encouraging that and, and not encouraging people, you know, to constantly be uh, available and you know have a sandwich at a desk rather than having a having a chat and a, a proper sit down, then yeah, I think you know, if if people aren't doing, employers aren't going to do that. Then I don't think they're necessarily going to get the same productivity and uh, and satisfied workforce that they might want. Yeah, yeah, I think the, I, I think you're absolutely right, and. Um... And, you know, I think just for me, this whole idea that, you know, that, that, because it sounds to me much like it's a practice, you know, that people kind of, that you're teaching people to give themselves permission to take time away from the screen, you know, and to um, mm. kind of interact, just kind of interact again, you know, with other people, um, connect with themselves and to kind of connect with nature. It's, it sounds very much like it's, it's a practice, like something people have to learn every to do every day definitely definitely and uh, you know it's creating balances because again uh, you know i say uh, you know technology brings great advantages it's good to be to, to be able to contact people via your mobile phone but you don't need to do it all the time so it's putting those balances in place it, it's it's learning maybe not to take your phone to your bedroom but charge it downstairs it's you know learning to uh, realize you can put your phone away for a bit if you really need to focus on a task it's those sort of things that, that make a real difference. Now, a digital detoxing adventure, obviously, you know, we're not going to be there every day for people. What we're trying to do is kickstart those thoughts, that process, uh, and also get people to take um, proactive, positive steps. It's not just about denying oneself a smartphone. It's about maybe taking up a practical skill because so few of us are developing practical skills now apart from the ability to hit a keyboard. Um, 
or it might be to take on an art project and actually do something with your hands, you know, create mm. a, a painting or I don't know, whatever it might be. So there are real, you know, we're trying to advocate taking up positive things to do as well as, you know, advocating maybe uh, denying oneself some of the, that constant connectivity. So we're just trying to kickstart that. Mm. And then we're hoping, you know, that that will get people enthusiastic enough that they'll want to keep going with those sort of things. Uh, but one of the things we do on, on a digital detoxing adventure is we get people uh, to write what their feelings were at the end of this, write what their feelings were about the experience and what they might have learned and what they might want to do differently. Uh, and they can do that as a form of a pledge or they can do that as a form of a letter, which we then resend to them in three months time to Great. say, yeah, uh, this, you know, so it's, it's actually a letter from themselves to themselves. And it just reminds them what, what experience they've had uh, and what they've been thinking about how they might want to do differently. Yeah. So we're trying to, as well as giving that kickstart, just just keep put a few reminders in later as well. It sounds almost it sounds a little bit like like a summer camp, you know, like the camps we went to as kids. <laughs> but you know, it, it sounds an awful lot like that because, um, yeah, just the idea of kind of coming together and doing things like you say with your hands and with other people and just being outside. It, I mean, it's, it sounds like a like a like a really fantastic experience, and the whole idea of rebooting oneself no the reconnection rebooting and um just kind of like saying okay look you know this is where you were when you were with us and remember how you felt and um i think this is this is great and certainly something really useful that people can incorporate into their daily lives yeah we definitely hope so that's definitely the intention you know it's uh, as well as having you know sort of bigger ambitions and bigger thoughts about the importance of this it's all about also about just giving people a, a you know a good time and uh having fun and realizing they can keep having that sort of fun um you also mentioned that you you have discussions when you're there like you have yeah. these debates about um about i guess technology and kind of how it's being used and how to create these health healthy experiences with, with technology um how important are those discussions for, for people? What do you find that kind of what comes out from these discussions? Well, it's interesting. Different things come out uh, according to different people. I mean, there's some consistent themes about um, uh, a constant sense of slight anxiety and a lack of ability to focus. Those tend to be quite constant themes. But other people might say, you know, they're having real trouble sleeping. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes that's caused by looking at these strongly backlit devices just before they try and turn their eyes out. Uh, turn their eyes out, shut their eyes, <laughs> um, and, uh, and and you know that prevents melatonin being produced, which is the thing that allows us to sleep. So it could be that particular issue. Um, it can be different things. It could be family. It could be family concerns that people don't feel they're communicating effectively with with their family. So that could be that could be a specific issue that comes up. So yeah, I, mean, I think it's you know sometimes it's physical issues. You mentioned. Uh, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And, you know, technology promises to free us up, doesn't it? You know, mm. we, we can be wherever, but we, you know, we're still in touch sort of sounds good, but actually largely it's tying us to chairs in our offices or in our homes. Um, and that is becoming increasingly recognized as being very bad for one's body. Uh, when one's sitting down for long periods of time, we weren't really designed to do that. So sometimes there are physical issues as well that people are experiencing, you know, back aches and that sort of stuff. You know, they're hunched over, their shoulders are tense. So you, you find out about what people's particular issues are, and we can pick up on those and 
fine and make recommendations and get people to try things to see to see if it works for them Mm. I, I, I think this this is this is really fascinating, and I think you know I'd just like to explore this a little bit more because mm. you were talking about how um, how for some people the I guess like the psychosocial element comes up. You know, they would start to think of the impact of their use of technology on their families and their friends, and um, but then there's also the physical element, right? Of kind of actually, what is this? What's my posture? doing to me long term how does that affect me how does that affect my work and um it seems that when we use our when we use these technologies unthink you know in an unthinking way um there are like compound negative effects that happen to us that we're really not aware of until perhaps mm. it's too late yeah there are there are definitely long-term implications i think Recently, I've, I've seen a couple of mentions of smartphone neck, <laughs> which is, you know, and you can see it, you know, if you go to a train station or a bus stop or whatever, you see everyone sit, standing there with their necks bent. You know, they're in some sort of silent prayer or something, but they're actually just looking at their phones. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's putting a great deal of strain on parts of the body that's not supposed to have that sort of strain. So, yeah, there are these uh, longer-term effects. And I know some workplaces, you know, most work well, all workplaces really should be careful about working environments. But um, uh, it, I don't know of many countries, I think Sweden's one of them, where it's compulsory to have stand-up desks, for instance, right. or at least offer that as an option. You know, in the, so, you know, that, that, that gives people at least the option to stand up and, uh, and not have to work sitting down all the time hunched over their laptop or their computer. So, uh, yeah, there are these, these longer-term issues that, that – that, that come back and, and will bite people. I mean, sitting is, is one specific one, which I think is really quite a serious one because there's lots of evidence to show that that has, you know, diabetes, cardiovascular issues. Mm. Uh, it's, I've, I've even seen arguments it's more dangerous than smoking sitting. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 these are serious issues. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you, you've got a smartphone, you have to be sitting down because, of course, you can stand up and walk around to speak on it. But, you know, you still have to build in these habits <laughs> mm. and uh, eye strain looking at a screen. Well, you, you need to build in the habits of looking out the window occasionally or going outside. Mm. Um, so there are, there, there, are, there are things like that that one can build in as well, which uh, uh, will prevent some of these longer term issues that, will, that, that are going to come and um, bite. Uh, and for um, you know, for families and things, that's quite interesting as well, because it, it does seem to me that with young kids, particularly being given these devices at very young ages, that we're not, we have no idea what the implication is that for future generations. You know, some, it's like some mass experiment on our kids, really, which is a bit disturbing because, uh, you know, if the only sensation your kids used to is swiping an iPad from the early age, uh, then, you know, they're missing out on all those other textures and sensations and, and learning experiences that, that, perhaps kids used to have uh, and uh, we have no idea what the implication of that is yeah. uh, we can see that readily available information such as sexually explicit information is could have a really serious impact on on young boys and girls and uh, what their perceptions are of a healthy relationship we can see that beginning to come through a bit uh, and that's that's troubling but you know i don't think there's been enough research and assessment about what the implications are are of of quite a serious nature uh, and uh, i have spent some time with the mental health foundation talking to them about these issues mm-hmm. and uh and it is being it has these issues have come up in uh, in that 
Houses of Parliament, you know, the Health Select Committee have been talking about them. But there's, you know, the general response is there's no definite evidence of the impact of these sort of technologies on our mental health. Well, you know, uh, what has been seen in recent times is 25 to 30 percent increase of young people seeking help for their mental health. You know, why is that? Um, now, I think we spent I don't know how many decades arguing about whether smoking was bad for our health. And it was very hard to prove that. And I can't help but think that we're in a similar situation with some of these digital technologies. Mm. You know, you know, we could be waiting a long time to get the sort of proof levels that some people feel happy with. But I think in our hearts, we know uh, that this potentially is having some some damaging effects. So we've got to balance the good things and the bad things about these sort of technologies and the information one can access through them. Mm. And I, I think what I really like is the way that you're kind of emphasizing that at first, it's even important to have the discussion about this, you know, about how we can not only improve our interactions with technology, but also um, how can we balance, how can we create these these devices or these products and services um, in a better way and kind of, um, I don't know, like kind of form our behavior in such a way that that it does benefit us and it is in balance rather than one overtaking the other. Absolutely. Uh, And I think it's important to have this debate now, uh, you know, because of, because of the uh, availability of this sort of technology, uh, but also because of the new technologies coming through, you know, look at things like wearable tech, uh, which I'm very interested in, uh, Internet of Things, you know, implantable tech, ingestible tech. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's you know there there, there are all these different devices where you know we're taking on board and are able to enhance what we can do. And there's lots of positives about that, absolutely. Uh, but there's also that just that balance around you know, well, if you've got a Google chip in the back of your head, uh, are you going to lose the ability to remember stuff because you can just access the Google chip? You know, that sort yeah. of thing. You know, I'm not saying there is a Google chip, by the way, but uh, you can see that as being a possible future scenario. Uh, and, uh, again, there's lots of potential benefits. There's um, something called the Proteus pill that you can swallow and it can beam health data to your carers and things. That's great. You know, could could pre- be great part what's, of preventative what's that, medicine. What's, what's that called? The Proteus pill? Proteus pill, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, and now that, now that, that could have great benefits you know, in terms of warning, pre-warning of, of conditions and getting really good at data. But there's also, you know, the other side of it is you know, what's happening to all the data that's being issued is privacy, confidentiality being properly uh, looked after. Uh, I mean, it was only only the other day um, that Samsung said that had to had to admit that it's um, some of its smart TVs that are voice activated are actually recording all conversations taking oh. place around them. And that's no. all been sent to be processed so uh, to, a, to, a, to a third party uh, that then works out whether they are uh, commands to change channel, for instance. So it's, it's now saying don't, don't talk about private information in front of the TV. I mean, this is getting crazy, you know. <laughs> that's, but um, but it's, it's completely Orwellian, though. Yeah, it is, exactly. I mean, indeed, it's, that is very much 1984. They talk about the telescreens. And how you have to uh, talk in a, in a very low whisper to prevent the state listening in on your conversations. So yeah, totally Orwellian. Oh my goodness! Because I mean, if you're right, I mean, because if if the um, if states or if governments did want to search 
um, that kind of data as I have been doing with other, you know, social net social data or social networking data. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's easily done, isn't it? If you kind of give them a subpoena or, um, or a warrant to, to search that data, and then you could find out actually what people say around their televisions, which might be more revealing about their behavior or intentions than say a Google search or Absolutely. an update to Facebook. Absolutely. So, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, there are there are always a balance of arguments about uh, about all these issues, but I think we have to be having this debate and not just thinking this sort of thing is okay mm. without having that debate. And uh, um, I think Tim Berners Lee is 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 got this debate going on about the web we want. You know, talking about a Magna Carta for the internet. Uh, for the web for the future, uh, being the 800th anniversary of the Magna Carta, which is you know the origin of of, of sort of American Constitution, etc. So um, it's an interesting time to be having this debate, and I think it's an important time to be having that debate. And I think uh, although we in the UK and people in the US are pretty relaxed about our privacy and confidentiality, we're prepared to do pretty big trade offs between our privacy and the benefits we get from giving up some privacy. Um, I don't think that should be taken for granted. Um, and in certainly in other countries, that's much less clear. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, 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 there's always a balance to be struck, but I think it's just understanding where people's balance is. So um, I'm interested to know, what does a digitally mindful day look like to you? Or what, what does a kind of a, a balanced day look like for you? In terms of the apps that you use and how yeah. you use technology, yeah. Um, well, I suppose a day starts with uh, being woken up by an alarm clock, not your smartphone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the best presents you can buy someone, actually, uh, this Valentine's Day or whenever, <laughs> is an alarm clock, not a smartphone, uh, because uh, because yeah, otherwise people are immediately on their smartphone looking at emails, worrying about what's come in. Uh, so yeah waking up to an alarm clock or whatever, um, um, taking time to get ready for the day and have, have your breakfast and have a chat without actually, again, don't have to switch on, don't have to switch on yet. So I think it starts with that sort of approach. Uh, and then, um, you know, during the day, taking time out from, you know, saying, well, morning is my most productive time. If you can work out the way that your day works, you know, we all have our biorhythms when we're most productive. Mm. Some people like myself, I, I, I tend to be most productive in the morning. So I like to try and limit the distractions I have in the morning and I'll do more of, um, more of the things on social media, et cetera, in the afternoon, because I know that morning is the most productive time for my day so i think you know working out those things is good you know not not just grabbing a sandwich at your desk and scoffing it while you uh, go through your emails again you know taking time to to go and talk to other people maybe even cook together maybe form a lunch club do some cooking mm-hmm. um uh and 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 uh yeah so then then making sure we make make room for exercise trying to trying to stand up for at least 10 minutes every hour mm-hmm. uh to, to make sure and not 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 sitting down for too long spells uh because i am a, i'm a gym member for instance so i go to the gym but i know that you know you spend an hour in a gym and if you spend the rest of the day sitting down you undo all you know you, you, the, the effect long-term effects on your body are just the same you're no better off from that hour in a gym 
you need to in terms of long term effects you know you need to spend that do that constant movement so try and do that try and talk to people rather than email the person next to me mm-hmm. uh try <laughs> try and uh try and have a few stand up meetings um and when i get home and have dinner uh try and uh, make sure that everyone doesn't use their smartphones during that meal we sit around a table and try and eat together if we can we don't do that every day you know i can't say by any means i'm perfect but i'm you know this is uh, this is something that we certainly aspire to. Uh, we even try something called phone stack. Have you heard of that? I haven't. No. What's that? Yeah. Right. You, everyone puts a smartphone in the middle of a table, and uh, first person to reach for theirs has to uh, tidy up, wash up, buy the next round, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just sort of jeopardy. You see your phone buzzing. Can you resist it? You know, it's, uh, it's so that so that these things aren't interrupted. So you're sort of gaming it a bit, I suppose. Mm. Uh, and then uh, you know. I might watch a bit of TV. I try not to watch too much, but I might watch a bit. Definitely, there's some good good stuff on sometimes. Uh, but try and spend the hour, last hour before I uh, try and go to sleep without looking at any sort of screen. Uh, so it just gives my body time to uh, get into its natural rhythm, produce the melatonin, and uh, and I, I rarely have any problem getting to sleep. I think um, I, I really like that because I I think that you know for people listening to this, they can kind of incorporate either one or everything that you've just said you know so even like the waking up being woken up by an alarm clock that's something that's it's very possible to to have that be done and so you're not looking at your smartphone and the first thing in the morning and you can almost start small and then work your way up to incorporating a healthy lifestyle right yeah absolutely i totally agree with that you know and and those little steps are going to make the big difference Mm. Yeah, no one, no one's saying throw away a smartphone and go back to a quill pen. You know, no one's saying that. <laughs> well, some people might be, but I'm not. So. Uh, no, it's those little steps just to get the bounce, get some control over it. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, great. So, um, so Martin, where can people find out more about you and more about digital detox? Well, of course, this is the ironic thing that, um, or maybe not, uh, that I use. You know, I have a website, digitaldetoxing.com. Uh, because as I say, you know, positive believer in these things. So uh, uh, I've got a Twitter. I use Twitter at Digital Detoxing. Um, yeah, we got a YouTube channel. Got we're on Facebook. You know, so we use all these channels uh, to, to to reach out to people. Uh, you know, obviously, we ask for them to do it responsibly, of course. <laughs> uh, and I have written a book. Uh, you can even get it in papery format. Um, that quaint old thing, but uh, called the A to Z of Digital Detoxing, which is a practical family guide. Uh, but has benefit for everyone in that. So those sort of places, um, yeah, that's, you can find out more. That's brilliant. Yeah, I'll, and I'm going to link to all of those, everything you've just said in the show notes as well. Um, fabulous. And um, just one last question. I have to ask um, this question because I ask everybody that comes on here. Yeah. Um, so I know that you've written a book, The A to Z of um, Digital Detoxing, but I'd like to know, actually, what is your favorite book? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I've, I've always well evelyn war's scoop okay was a favorite from uh from quite a young age so i'm probably still like that it's a good book evelyn yeah. war's scoop okay and, and why is that sorry what why was that why why do you like her book oh so it's just um it's reasonably short which that's always a good benefit uh, <laughs> but it, no it's a good it's a good sort of comic uh story about a journalist who uh Gets gets himself in a situation they weren't expecting, and uh, uh, tries to make the best of it. And uh, how it, it's, just, it's it's a real knock around story, which uh, uh, which I enjoyed. Yeah, brilliant. 
Well, Martin, look, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this was a really fascinating um, and really illuminating conversation. And um, yeah, just for everybody listening, the idea that, you know, that you can incorporate like kind of healthy habits and balance into your life or go with Martin, go with Digital Detox to get a reboot. Um, this is really great advice. So thank you very much for coming on with us, Martin. No problem at all, Lawrence. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Martin Talks and Digital Detox. If you'd like to get the show notes for the episode, where you can get basically everything that we mentioned, all the websites, all of the resources, then head over to digitalmindfulness.net forward slash blog, where you can get all of that information right away. I highly recommend that you check out Digital Detox. The website, which is basically digitaldetoxing.com, is absolutely fabulous. Their approach to holidays, to unplugging, to living with digital devices is just really inspiring. If you can't make it to an actual holiday, I recommend that you head over to one of the digital detoxing meetups if you're in the London area. There you can learn about creating a better balance with your digital devices. You can also learn about mindfulness and also just meet people from, of like mind. Finally, I want to take a moment to just thank you, the listener, for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it. We've got so many different amazing guests lined up for the future who'll be talking about creating healthy digital experiences and linking together wisdom and technology. We're here to help you. So head over to digitalmindfulness.net where you can find more interviews, more resources and all of that fun stuff. So until next week... Stay safe, and if you have a sec, please go to iTunes and leave a review for the show if you haven't done already. I really appreciate it so much.